Morning, guys. Ooh, off of yeah. Thank you, sir. If you are joining us for the first time this morning, uh, we really feel that uh, we really hope that you feel welcome and right at home. Like Simon said, we've been starting off uh, the last two weeks now with Romans 12, and we're going into the gifts of the Spirit. This week, I do have the privilege of. Uh, talking about the gift of teaching, and it's a really exciting gift. It's going to be challenging this morning, and there's a lot of stuff that we're going to get into, and I thought I'd just break it down. This morning, we're going to, we're going to start off with a little bit of a precursor, a little bit of a foundation, go through what Simon spoke about last week, which is going to be really nice. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we're going to go into sort of the difference between a good teacher and a bad teacher, um, and how that gift plays out. You know, when we think of a teacher, we normally think of a teacher that's in front of us in a classroom or in a lecture. It can be that, but we're going to see how it's not, it's not just that. It is, there's so much more in depth of the spiritual gift of teaching. And then we're going to go into how this applies to us, because I think it's, it's very, very important. Now, one of the things that, that, is, that is part of these series at the end of the year is we, we base this series or whatever topic we're talking about on a character within the Bible. It's called Character Sketches. And this morning, uh, I'm going to be talking to you about Paul. Thank you, dude. Thanks, bro. It's like you read my mind. How many of you lost your voice last night on uh, screaming? <laughs> I've, se- I've never seen people almost punch a screen, but that was, it was exciting. So yeah, I'm really excited, but what I wanted to start off with was a little bit of a story. I think it's random. I wasn't going to share it, but I think it's important to include you in my random life once every while. And uh, I remember a while ago, because I was prepping for the sermon, and the story kept on playing at the back of my head and the back of my head, and I just couldn't get rid of it. <clears throat> and I actually realized that it links in quite nicely. So my, my dad and my stepmom decided to go on holiday for a weekend, and they left me in charge. And uh, they have a, have a dog that is, well, was blind, deaf, and diabetic, so there's a lot there. But he, Shem, he doesn't, he, the only thing that he uses to go around or used to go around the house was his nose. And he had a little bit of a spot, so when he wanted to go to the bathroom, he had a spot and he would sniff out that spot, and that was his spot. And so I knew what was coming ahead of me before I went to bed because they would wake up almost hourly to let him out because he didn't have really good control of his bladder. And so the first time I woke up, I was super chilled. I knew what was expected. I opened up the door, let him out. He spends about 10 minutes looking for his little bit of a spot right there. And then he comes back, and I go back to bed. And super, super chilled, right, relaxed. I know exactly what was happening. The second hour, I woke up. I was slightly more annoyed because I was tired. I I was wanting my sleep. And I let him out. I open up the door. He sniffs his way back, takes another 10 minutes to find the same spot. And then 10 minutes, he's back inside. I go back to bed. And I know what's going to happen next. The third time happens. He wakes me up. I am done. I'm I'm so over it. I open up the door. I pick him up. I take him to his personal pile of of pee. And I just say, go. And I bring him there only for him to walk the other way and spend another 10 minutes just to find the same spot I just put him at. And this happened through the rest of the night. I was exhausted. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you how much I, I, I hated this dog. 
But I found what was, what was really interesting is, it was a, such an interesting link. When we, and I look at it in our lives, especially with, this, with the spiritual gifts, when we have our expectations of what we think should be done in the moment, we, can, we tend to be unhelpful sometimes. And we tend to get in the way. Right? So when I was taking him out, he knew the way and he had the journey. He was doing it by himself. All I did was prolong the journey and he, he went the longer route around and it took probably a lot longer. Right? And I don't know about you, but I find myself challenging God's plan for my life and sometimes challenging certain things. And I, I like control, you know, and we humans, you know, we want control of our, our own lives because it's easier, because it's safer, that what we think is safer. And so we tend to ask the questions of, or we tend to say, like, I've done this before, I, 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 don't, I know what to do. I know exactly what to do. I, I've been through it. I can do it from here. I, I've got it. Thanks. Right? Or it's a case of, I've got my own way of doing it. It's going to be faster. Let me do it. And the problem is, this, this comes into the precursor, which is the foundation of all these spiritual gifts. And this is the statement that, that popped out to me is just because we have a spiritual gift doesn't mean we need to use it in a specific moment. Just because I have the gift of leadership, and remember, Simon mentioned it last week, is we have access to all these spiritual gifts, right? But just because we have access to it or just because we have this ability to lead or to teach doesn't mean we need to in the moment. Because what happens is sometimes when we forcibly use a gift, we can get in the way, and we can, we can sort of distract from the point and actually prolong the journey. Simon's preach last week about leadership was really, really good. He gave us a nice foundation of what spiritual gifts need to include, right? And what, what are spiritual gifts used for? Now, there are three things. The first one is to build up the church. It's used to build up others, the second is to train and equip the saints, as mentioned in Ephesians 4, and we're going to go through that just now. And then the third thing, the most important thing about spiritual gifts is that they need to have love at its core. If you want to go through, the, through that verse, it's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2. It's really, really good. <clears throat> it's to build up others, it's to train and equip the saints, which is the church, and ultimately to love while we're doing it and to have love at its core. And I think it's important that we know that these are the, these are, these are the prerequisites of, of a spiritual gift. This is the purpose of spiritual gifts. And yes, we, we don't need to use them all the time, but we, do, we, do, we are told that we need to desire them. We want, it's okay to want them. It's okay to ask for them. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, it says, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And I think one thing we forget is, and I've learned this in this recent season, we can be, we need to figure out which season we're in. Are we in a season of being the teacher? Or are we in a season of the one being taught? Because that's, the, that's this gift. The, the gift of teaching has this sort of two foundational areas where there's, you can be a teacher or you can be taught. And the, the, the weird thing about, about this gift is it's, it's a constant thing through our whole life. We are constantly being taught. It, it, it never stops. We constantly have this gift of being taught. We always have to be taught, right? That's how we grow. That's how we learn. 
but there are seasons where we are the teacher as well. And I think it's, it's a good point now to understand the difference between a good teacher and a bad teacher, right? Because everyone has access to this gift, and, and we can use it really well or really badly. And we see it a lot in the world, and we see it a lot in politics, and we see it a lot in the churches. We can see when somebody forcibly uses a gift, it changes almost the whole purpose and the whole direction of why God gave us the spiritual gift in the first place. When we look, so the first thing is when we look at a good teacher, a good teacher, and we spoke about this, you know, use, is, is used to train and equip the saints. Right? In Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 14, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up his church, the body of Christ. Verse 14 says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. If a good teacher that has the spiritual gift of teaching is using it correctly in the way that God wants it to be used, it's going to be used to train and equip his, his people. If it's used in a different sense and in a bad sense, we will see it being used as a way to manipulate. So let's put it into a context. A good teacher uses God's word and leads people to Christ. A bad use of the gift or a bad teacher uses the word because it sounds truthful, it sounds real, it sounds right. He's got the facts, he's got everything, and it's there. It sounds so true. But the difference is, instead of him or her leading us to Christ, they lead us to themselves. And so for a good teacher, it's, it's there to build up others. For a bad teacher and a bad use of the gift, it's to build up ourself. In 2 Timothy, verse, uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 to 4, it says this, For the time will come where they, where they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. When the gift of teaching is used right, the, it requires relationship. It requires getting to know one another personally. It requires a personal sort of relationship with God, with, with people around you. When a bad use of this gift of teaching is used, it requires a platform. It requires to be heard. And I think the danger is we can see it a lot. We can see it when, when a bad use of this teaching is used to manipulate, is used to gain a self, is used to sort of create this platform for them to, to be heard. I think one of the last things that makes a difference between a good teacher and a bad teacher is the fact that a good teacher is held accountable by others where a bad teacher is held accountable by themselves. 
And this comes into question. That brings into question is, are you connected? Are we connected? Am I connected? Is, are there people that are, are, are willing to correct me? Are there people willing to, to teach me? And then in the same sense, am I willing to be teachable? Am I willing to be corrected? Because that's hard. I mean, that's, that's not an easy part. Because even though we, we may not be the teacher, we are always, we are always called to be teachable. Because God always works through us. We're never done. We're never, we're never met. We are constantly inconsistent with who we are. Yeah. On uh, my, my, my connect group will laugh. On Thursday, Zoe gave me a, a really, or shared with, with us a really good anecdote of, of something that re- would relate really well to this. She mentioned about how she was trying to help somebody. And what she realized is what she, she felt like so often what we do and what we become in our own lives is like a bang, is like a, a banging gong, just becoming noisy and noisy and noisy and louder and louder and louder. Because because what we want to do is we want to fix, we want to fix, we want to help, we want to we can see a solution, we can see it, right? We can help, but we become so loud that God's voice becomes very quiet at the back. We, the person in front of them can't hear us because of this gong. And what she said was really powerful is that sometimes we just need to step aside and keep quiet. And so often that's true. Because I think what's scary about having these spiritual gifts, you know, we speak about the spiritual gifts quite often, and we speak about it as people, and we talk about leaders and teachers and prophets and all of these people. And you can see it within the world, and you can see it here. But the terrifying thing about these gifts is we talk about the people that use them, but we don't talk about the people that that don't use them and are, are, are being led, are being taught, because that's just as important, probably even more. Can I say this and be risky? You need, more, you need more to be taught than to teach. You need more to be led than to lead. I was, um, I was scrolling down Instagram, and one of the videos came up, and it was of a guy who was dressed really, really nicely. He was sitting in a, in a Rolls Royce, a very fancy, fancy limousine car. It was kitted out to the brim. It was brilliant. It was beautiful. It looked stunning. And he was sitting, he had papers, he had devices, and he looked like he was focused, and he looked like he was a businessman. It, just, it, it looked cool. But then I caught, a, caught his caption at the bottom, and he said, I'm on my way to church. And the first thing in my head was, oh, no. He's a pastor. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, but we can't judge. We can't judge. Like, can't assume what that means. So I went into it. He was a pastor. Um, <laughs> I assumed correctly. He was, yeah. But that wasn't the thing that bothered me. It bothered me. But it wasn't the, wasn't the only thing. The thing that, that bothered me the most, in his description and in his bio, this is what he said. He said, I was born as the answer to the cry of millions. I was born as the answer to the cry of millions. Can I be honest, friends? I don't think, actually I know, we are never the answer. We are never the answer. We are too inconsistent to be an answer. Our job and our use of the spiritual gifts is to bring people to the answer, and the answer, the only way, the only truth, and the only life is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save. He's the only one that can heal. He's the only one that needs to be given the platform. Yeah. Not us. Yeah. 
The moment that that happens, we've shifted and we've manipulated the gift for our own gain, for our own worldly needs. And we see it so often and time and time again. And this is why it hurt me is because I felt like these people that are listening in the the congregation, because we have a right and we have a responsibility as leaders and teachers and the gifts of, of the church to bring people to Christ, never to ourselves. I've seen it, and we've seen it recently. I mean, Simon, Simon and I spoke about it at Equip, um, which was a church gathering of leaders. And we saw, you can see when people are, are hurt. And you can see when people haven't dealt with the stuff behind closed doors or haven't dealt with the stuff off stage. Because what happens is hurt people hurt people, right? They hurt others because they hurt. And our challenge is not to be perfect. It's never to be perfect. The only person that can be perfect is Jesus Christ. Our job is never to be perfect. But that being said, it's not an excuse to be free and willy-nilly and do whatever. I've never said willy-nilly before in my life. (laughs) Is it that age time? Is that age? Next thing I want to say, goodness gracious. Got my grands like Nimmo, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think it's important that we're not striving for perfection. We're always striving for Jesus to fill us. Yeah. Jesus has to fill in our imperfections. It's never the other way around. I've got three I've got three passages that I want to sort of quick fire. James three verse one, if you want to write them down. James three verse one. And this is, the, this is where we start to get challenged a little bit more. And this is where we start to dive into it. It's like, it says, James 3 verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And the thing is, the moment, the moment we get these gifts, and the moment we, it's very easy to say, hey God, I want this gift, and he will give it to us, and he'll work on us, and he'll correct us. But when we get it, 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 the requirement is never to be above people. We're never above people. The only person that's above us is Jesus. We're, we're alongside each other, right? But when we, when we take up the mantle of the teaching gift or the leading gift, or whatever spiritual gift he gives us, there's this responsibility and there's this, there's this idea that we are in a glass, a glass bowl for everybody to see our lives, there's no rock that we can hide that thing behind or this thing or we can't lie anymore. It's, it's, it's out in the open. The moment we step on this stage or step on a platform and step, step up towards our spiritual gift and towards God's purpose for our life, our life becomes visible for everybody to see, which means everything that is hidden in the darkness will come to light. That's in Proverbs. It says everything in darkness will come to light. The problem is when, you, when you're in these positions, when you're in these moments, when you're in these gifts, they come out quicker than when you're not using these gifts. They come out bigger. And the problem is when we don't deal with them before we get these gifts or use these gifts, I promise you, you're going to hurt more people. I've done that. And I'm speaking not because I'm preaching to you as, as the choir or whatever. It's, I'm preaching to you from a personal experience, and it's telling you it's the worst thing when you preach from a place of hurt, when you preach from a place where you haven't dealt with the things off stage. 
Because what happens is it, it tends to bleed out in what you say. Whether it's on stage, whether it's one-on-one, it bleeds out and it starts to hurt the church, hurt the people, hurt the relationship. And then what we're doing is we're using it for our own gain, for our own expression. Titus 2, verse 6 to 7. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. We are supposed to help each other be accountable, right? But we need this. We need to show ourselves in respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. I think one of the hardest part is that the question of whether we want to take up this mantle or whether we want to take up, I don't know what it, what it is that God is calling you to, but whatever it is, I just know that we are called to be good examples. And so the question that I've been challenged with is if I look at my life, can I lay down my life as an example to the people I lead? And if not, there's something that you need to work with, not by yourself, but with others, with God, and with yourself. If we can't say wholeheartedly like, and it's not being perfect. Let me, let me say this. It's not, it's not that you have to be perfect. It's because how you deal with the things you're dealing with is just as good as an example than if you, if you dealt with them. You being in a moment and in a season of correction is better than not being in a season of correction. You are better equipped to be a leader if you are constantly corrected and constantly teachable than if you were not. God can use both but he's, it's in a better position for the spiritual gift to become a good teacher if you are willing to be corrected and teachable. In 1 Peter 2 verse 16 it says, Live as people who are free, not using our freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as a servants of God. It means like laying down our life. Not because what I want, because what we, I've done this so many times where when I first started becoming a Christian, I, I used God's grace as an excuse to sin. And use God's grace to, to constantly do the wrong things that I knew were wrong. And sort of just hide and just make excuses and give reasons. And I feel like we're caught to much higher than, than what we've come from. And in this next season, we've spoken about it as church leadership. We've spoken about it as, as staff. And, and it's, it's amazing. We can feel that God is wanting to raise up leaders teachers, prophets. He's raising up gifts within the church. He's raising up you to be in the purpose that he has constantly dreamt for your life. If we look at Paul, Acts 9, verse 1 to 19. If you want to go there so long, Acts 9, verse 1 to 19. says this. And then this is the this is the transformation of looking at Paul's life where he was named Saul and then God transformed his life and now God gave him a new name and that was Paul. So this is just before that and it says meanwhile Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. 
He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way being the, the following of Christ, right, people who followed Christ, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias. Come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, answered Ananias, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority, with the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings to be the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I don't know what season you may be feeling at the moment in your life, because I feel like there, there is very, there's a very obvious difference between the seasons that, I, that we see people are in and people go through. There's the season of, I want to use my gifts, I want to use them, but learning to use them correctly, right? That's the one season. The other season is, I'm not good enough, I, I don't deserve this gift, I've done wrong, I can't be redeemed, I can't do this, like if only you knew what I've done in my past. Well, if anything is to be said here, I think redemption with Christ is always certain. But correction is a choice. The way we think, the way we do, the way we act, the way we say things. What we do behind closed doors, the way we interact with people, are all dependent on our choice of how we want to handle the gift that God has given us. And the life that God has given us. I think this is a scary, scary line. It's one of my favorite, but one of the scariest lines. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. One of the scariest things is not, not that it's going to be a suffering of pain. But it's, it's a suffering of emotions. It's a suffering of relationships. It could be a suffering of pain. But it, there's a challenge involved behind it. There is a moment where there has to be a shift. And that's uncomfortable. Every time we change, it's uncomfortable. It's painful. It hurts. And in, for all... It, oh, let me start that again. 
in order for Christ to work in our life, we need to be willing to be corrected and be, and, and be ready to know that this call on our life, whatever, whatever it may be, is going to require a little bit of sacrifice, probably a lot of sacrifice. And if I look at this last month, wow, like we were talking about it in staff, and it's, it's, been, it's been a hard, challenging couple of months past year for myself. It's been a constant need to change and challenge. And it's not, I need, I need to stress this, I'm not up here because I've, I've made everything, I've, I've done, I'm perfect, I got it right. No, it's not that. It's, it's, it's the grace of God that has given me the opportunity to, to teach what I've learned. And I think it doesn't make anybody better. The position that you're in, the position that I'm in, it doesn't, there's nobody above anybody else. Everybody is still learning and is in the same space. We need to understand which, and I said it in the beginning, which season we're in. Are we in the season of using the gift of teaching to be taught or in the gift of season, season to be the teacher? Because there's two differences. When we're the teacher, there are only two people that we teach. We teach others and we teach ourselves. We tend to forget ourselves when we become teachers because we think, no, our role is to teach others. But we are our biggest teachers because we're the ones that have to correct, have to put in discipline, have to choose and have to make a choice in our own lives. Nobody else can make a choice for us. But when we are being in a space or in a season of being teachable, there are five. There are five teachers. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You've got others, and you've got yourself still. Because you can't teach yourself if you're not going to be teachable, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, if I look at, Simon said it beforehand, the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the strength and the ability to do so. Jesus is the one that laid, us, laid down the example of what a good teacher is as well. And to end off, I think it's, it's going to be good. I think, how do we become a good teacher? How do we become a good, teachable person? When we look at it, and Simon spoke about this as well for leadership, and, it, and I think it links in all of them. The first one is we need to be rooted in the Word of God, in consistency. Everything that I say here requires consistency, because the moment we become inconsistent, which we will be, we're human, but we need to try our best to be con consistent as wherever we can. But to be rooted in God's word is one of the, one of the most important things because how, how can we hear what God is trying to say if we don't know what his voice sounds like? If we don't know what his character is like, how can we judge what is his and what is not? The second one is we need to put ourselves in community and be held accountable by everybody else around us in our community. One of the things that's, that I love about Center Church and that brought me here is that there's two lungs to Center Church. The first lung is the Sunday that we meet together, but it's a collection of connect groups that meet together on a Sunday. But the second lung is connect groups. It's where we do life together. It's where we meet together. It's where we heal together, where we talk together, where we, where we deal with the issues that we don't want to talk about in the greater scheme of community in this sense. It's where we can be personal and vulnerable 
and I, and I don't want to take from what Simon's going to say later about connect groups and inviting people, but I do want to encourage you, if you're not connected, or if you're afraid of connecting even more, I think there's an encouragement that God wants to raise you, and one of the ways He wants to raise you is by connecting you. Because we can't do anything isolated. We're not called to be isolated. We're never called to be alone. We're never called to do life by ourselves. We are called to do life together, and the only way we can, we can be raised up fully in what Christ has called us to be is to put ourselves uncomfortably sometimes into a community that is going to hold us accountable, that is going to love us and, and look after us and heal us and help us, right? The third thing is, and this is one, one of the hardest parts for me because it, it, it hurts, so we need to be, if we are wanting these spiritual gifts, if we are going to ask for these spiritual gifts, just know it's going to require us to be in a space where we are ready to be corrected. And just know that we are going to need to be teachable. And that's not an easy task because it hurts. It's a hard thing. It, it just, it, it feels like every part of you is breaking. What a preacher said it a while ago, we have to sort of unlearn everything that we've learned and we've taught ourselves and allow God to place the foundations in our own lives so that we can do what he's called us to do, not what we've called ourselves to do. The last point is I think there's a lot of us that are being called higher. I think all of us are being called higher. Actually, all of us are being called higher. I'm not even going to say that. All of us are being called higher. And today, Simon said it beautifully, is we're not waiting for the 1st of January to make resolutions. We're not waiting for the 1st of January to make changes. Changes start now when we choose to change. Correction starts now when we choose to correct. Relying on others and relying on God starts today if we choose to do that. And I feel like there's, there's, been, a, there's been a movement where there's been like, I don't know if you feel it, but this, this moment where God is about to release something, release you, release everything, just a bit higher than what you ever thought you could do. And there's that potential that is waiting on the other side of correction. Maybe not even correction, maybe in, in just a mindset of being teachable and learning. And I don't know what space, space you're in, but one of the questions I've had to ask myself is, you know, and I mentioned it earlier, is are we, are we ready to lay down our lives as an example for others to see? If not, then we've got some stuff that we need to talk about. There's stuff that we need to bring forward. And if we don't know what those are, that's where we ask community and we ask God to show that. We have this incredible gift in front of us that God wants to just say, take it. You're ready it's just going to take a little bit of sacrifice. And I don't know what, what that is, but can I pray for us this morning? God, whatever space we're in this morning, whether it's a space where we are teachers, maybe we're in a season of being taught, you are always preparing us to be used for your glory and for your kingdom. God, as we use our gifts that you have given us, may we, may we use them and may we, 
May we focus on building others rather than ourselves. May we focus on training and equipping the people that we love and and are responsible for. May May we just purely have love at the center of everything that we do. If we look at ourselves, all we desire is love. May we have the strength to do that for others, even in the moments where we are weak, in the moments where we feel like we're lost. And maybe there's people here in this this service that are feeling a little bit confused, a little bit worried, a little bit stressed about the future. Maybe there's questions about what is my purpose, what is my calling, why am I where I am today? feel like it's, it's, it's time to just start connecting with other people, being held accountable. It's time to let go of our own worries, our own insecurities, so that when God tells us it's time to use my gift, we can lay down our lives as an example to the people he wants us to lead, the people he wants us to teach, the people he wants us to love. I think I also want to say that God loves you so wholly. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He is with you. He's gone before you. He's already prepped the way. I think the encouragement, God, is please just guide us, show us, bring people to us. And bring us to people. Show us love. May we as a community have the ability to show others love and care and help bring up people and support one another as a family and as friends, as an example for your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you're asking yourself, how can I take this further? You can start by going to our website. There, you can access our previous sermons, our banking details, you can get in contact with us, or you can find out more about who we are. If you consider yourself a part of Centre Church, we just want to thank you so much for your continuous support and your partnership. Have an amazing day.